The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Howdy all, I'm Father Corey Stika, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. Joining me today on the panel is Joanne Mercier. How you doing, Joanne? How you doing, Father? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Unfortunately, as you can tell, Dom isn't here today. He's got some other things he's dealing with, so he wasn't able to join us. So it's just be the, the two of us. This could be very interesting. It could be. You know, we were kind of going, are we going to be able to fill a talk? I was like, yeah, I think we could fill an hour talking. We'll, we'll yeah. find things to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, as long as we don't, you know, start the debate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I might, I might pull up the, the the iPhone Android debate at the end of the, the show. That's a little teaser. Oh, here but, we go. All right. No, um, <laughs> but we, we are, we're, we're, we'll jump right into our, our main topic, which actually is something that I can say is near and dear to me right now. Uh, because it's giving me better internet access and it's Starlink. Now, are, are you familiar at all with Starlink, Joanne? I am a little bit, just because of what I read um, in the news. But I'm always looking for alternatives because as an internet user in the United States, I have about two choices and that's it. Which is one more than I had before Starlink. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, this is rural versus city sort, exactly. sort of suburban stuff, but... Yeah, most of us have one or two, and then there's the satellite companies, which, you know, if you sneeze, they go out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about that. But, um, you know, and and for those who don't know, I live in a small town in Montana, a town of about 600 people, I want to say, about 20 miles from the town of Great Falls, the city of Great Falls, which Great Falls actually obviously has a lot more options. And yes, we've got our DSL option. You know, you've got the the CenturyLink, which is the, the... telephone company the old telephone company now just mainly dsl and that's okay it works well for download because it's 40 megabits download that's not too bad it's three megabit upload and we had a lot of problems with that doing with the podcasting and stuff because i have to upload my files to dom so he can edit them and it would take forever to upload them and we finally got that figured out and got that worked out but it was just it was miserable so in the other option is like a, uh, you know, a Verizon hotspot, you know, the MiFi or whatever they call it, where it's the, the little hotspot box. And, and those work pretty well because we get decent LTE speeds here. Again, not comparable to like fiber or something like that. But and decent. see, that's what I have. I'm yeah. lucky enough in Rhode Island to have a choice between, you know, cable, broadband mm-hmm. and fiber. And exactly. fiber is lovely. I have 500 up and down. Oh, wow. That, yeah, I, I could just dream of that. But. You, you pay for it. But. <laughs> I got to throw the butt in here. Um, it really, we all know, especially from the last couple of episodes with talking about routers and all of that, that it's a, if you're using wireless, now if you're in a heavily saturated area, mm-hmm. that stuff's getting cut into. So maybe of my 500 up and down I, I'd like to say I'm getting at least half of that, which is right. still better than anything. But when you're using it for everything like streaming, my TV every once in a while does the little circle of death mm-hmm. because it's not wired in. So 
So my next thing is Ethernet in the house, all right. over the house. But, but it's nice to have fiber. But again, it's two choices. So if you don't like the cable company, it's fiber. If you don't like the fiber people, what do you do? Exactly. Exactly. And again, my fives work, but they're not, they're not an option you would want for long term because no. they are expensive. They, they, LTE isn't slow. Now, 5G supposedly is going to fix some of that. It's going to really give you know, great speeds, but it's, let's wait and see, especially since it sounds like distance is going to be a big issue with 5G. Mm, as long as it doesn't fry your brain either, it'll be good. Yeah, it, don't worry. It'll do that too. You know, yeah, just probably. make sure you wear the tinfoil hats when you're using your MiFi. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Starlink comes out, and this is another one of Elon Musk's, Musk's brain brainstorms. And, you know, it's it, it followed the same pattern, everything else. He comes up with Tesla and everybody's like, you'll never get a car that works. People will never want electric cars. And Tesla takes off like a like gangbusters. Mm. And then yeah, he that, announces. Yeah. I mean, you, and you see you even see Tesla's in Montana, which you would think would be a, a rough place for it. But I've seen him driving down the interstate. So, I mean, they obviously work out here. And then I, you have start. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I just did a road trip. Speaking of Tesla. And um, I. When we last time, I think I was out on a road trip was probably way before COVID. And you'd go to a rest area and you'd see maybe five electric car, you know, uh, gas ups. That's all I can call them. Yeah. I had, there had to be at least 25 to 30 Tesla stations, you know, charging stations. And I was amazed at the difference just in a couple of years. So, as much as you want to say about Tesla, they're they're doing something right. Yeah, there, there's one just in, in Great Falls, just off the interstate. You know, I could, you, it's like two minutes off the interstate and you're at the charging station. And there's restaurants there and everything. So it's a perfect spot. It's a hotel there too. And, you know, mm-hmm. perfect spot for, for that purpose. So, I mean, Tesla's obviously done well. And then he says, oh yeah, by the way, I want to start launching rockets that we're going to make, we're going to land them back, the first station, stage back down. And everybody thinks he's nuts. And now mm-hmm. he's doing it like it's routine. Every day, it seems like there's another spacex launch going up into orbit and the first station stage just plops down on their little automated uh ship i have to ask do they have an app for that like nasa or is nasa running there you know that you can see like like you can see nasa launches on the nasa app there there are there are apps out there there's there's uh, i can't remember what it's called i've got one that it shows uh it it was a pick of the week before but it it shows different launches and stuff like that uh this was a while ago i'll have to i'll have to look that up but uh yeah, it's, it's a, there's a great app where you can watch that. But of course, then, you know, you can sit and watch the launches from start to finish on YouTube. Oh, okay. All right. You go to SpaceX's YouTube channel and you <laughs> sit there and they've got live stream Jeez. from the launch, from the, the rocket, from the first stage, the whole works. It's incredible what they can do. And then now that he's got the rockets, he said, now I'm going to launch satellites and uh, a constellation of satellites into orbit. So that you can have internet, high-speed internet, anywhere in the world, low latency. His goal is one gigabit. I will say it's not there yet. But his goal is one gigabit anywhere in the world via satellite. And and again, low latency. And everybody's like, you're nuts. Well, he's done it. Again, that's what Starlink is. Starlink is a bunch of small satellites. And by a bunch, I mean thousands. And this is one of the controversies of Starlink is that he's launching all these satellites out there. Mm of these satellites and you just have a dish dishy mcflatface you gotta love the name that's such an internet oh name. you're kidding <laughs> oh 
I wish everybody I had just a calls wah, it dishy. Wah for that. Yeah. <laughs> she makes everybody that. calls it dishy, but yeah, dishy McBlackface is God. the official name of the dish. Uh, so you have a dish in your house, down your house, that auto rotates itself. It's, you know, like if you've mm-hmm. had DirecTV or Dish Network or the old satellite uh, internet, you had to mount it a certain direction because the entire constellation of their dishes, of their uh, satellites are mm-hmm. in one spot, usually like over Texas, I think is how they vision it. Um, Starlink isn't the same thing. They're they're not geosynchronous. They 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 go on a regular pattern, kind of like the if you've ever watched the track of the International Space Station, you see it doesn't cover the same yes. parts of the Earth. It mm-hmm. it does like a spiral over the Earth. Well, the, the uh, Starlink satellites do the same thing, and so the dish can move in something like 180 degrees. You know, mm-hmm. you think of you know 363 it's 360 degree dome. It can move like 180 degrees and can okay. move itself. So when you power it up, it literally it picks up. Looks for a satellite signal and turns towards it. You can watch it do it. Oh wow! It's really kind of it's really cool to watch the dish move, and then it, when it loses one satellite, it'll move to the next automatically. Hmm. So in theory, you shouldn't have any interruption. Now, right now, the the full constellation, the full shell of satellites isn't complete, so mm-hmm. there are going to be breaks. You know, so it might be like while we're sitting here doing our show, I'll freeze for a second or two until it finds the next satellite. It's not a big deal. Uh, I will talk about that a little bit later. But, um, but it's really incredible how it works because, as I said, this is much higher speed internet than the old, old satellite providers. Again, it's not fiber speeds yet. Mm. That is the goal. Um, but it, it's pretty good. And I'll talk, about, I'll talk a little bit here when I talk about comparison with landlines in a little bit about what speeds I'm getting. Yeah, because I'm wondering, I'm wondering... A couple of things. One, people are concerned about all of these satellites because what goes up must come down eventually. Mm-hmm. I'd also worry about traffic up right. there. Now, I know we have the computer and the, tech, the technology to keep everybody in their own orbit, but at some point there could be a rogue <laughs> yeah. and it's like well, spins out of, out of normalcy. And that, 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 is, that is a real concern. And also there's been concern for uh, astronomical research for astronomical photography that the satellites will be too invasive now i I think one thing we need to recognize too though is we are talking about i can't remember i forgot to look it up what the uh altitude that these satellites are flying at but these satellites are not like packed together we're not talking about like cars on you know an expressway on during rush hour okay i mean we're, we're talking you know tens if not hundreds of miles between them you know, because okay. I mean, they're, 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 they're a good distance apart. So it's, and they know where each one is. They're tracked. You know, obviously right. Starlink is tracking each one of them. They know where it's at. Uh, I'm sure NASA's involved in that as well. Cause of course, Starlink and or SpaceX and NASA work together quite a bit. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure they're, they're keeping a close eye on that. Uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon isn't happy because Starlink beat them to the punch and they keep suing them because of it. But that's another story. Yeah, well, Jeff Bezos isn't happy, but but he's going to do something that I think a lot of people are going to be happy about. If I if I read or I heard this correctly yesterday, he's putting Shatner in space. Is he going to bring him back? Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One would hope so. (laughs) But apparently he's doing the up and down. Yeah. He's the up and the, down the, thing again. And I'm sure flights. all yeah. Star Trek fans are now going to be so happy that Captain Kirk actually gets to go to space for real. Exactly. Exactly. Even if it's just for a few minutes. And that's fine. But I can understand, you know, Jeff Bezos, 
does he have a problem with Elon Musk? Really, like in are they just not friendly, or because I, 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 I so wonder much. if this, I wonder if this is big men competition, shall we say? Okay, all right. I, I would use other words, but I think you get That's the idea. Okay. I'm saying. I, I perfectly <laughs> understand that. Yeah, yes. I mean, it, it's I, I, I really think because I mean, when you look at who's the the top top you know money earners, who's got the most money. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are always really close together. So right. I'm, I'm sure there, there's a little of a ego competition going on there. And, you know, they're both trying to compete in the same market. And, and gee, it, Elon Musk just seems to get there just a little bit quicker. I think it's because he, well, because look at where Jeff Bezos' um, mind was for a very long time. It was growing Amazon. Right. And now so. he's getting into this where Elon Musk seems to have been a progression, always technological right. progression, you know, with the car, then the face, then the Starlink. So it seems well, it, to be more of a, he seems to be more focused in this well, area. He, yeah. Elon Musk has said that his, his goal is to colonize Mars. And when you look at all these things put together, mm. they all game towards that An electric car would be vital on Mars. Yes, Obviously having the rockets, you know, to launch into orbit and then to get to Mars and to land on Mars is vital to have the ability to set up. (laughs) Yeah. And come back because I assume that they're going to want two way travel from Mars to and from Mars Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, you know, to have the satellite infrastructure, to have, you know, internet on Mars, you know, at least some information transfer and communication on Mars. Mm. is all offshoot of Starlink. So all these things are building towards that. Of course, they've got spaceship they're building, which is going to eventually be the actual module that will go to Mars and land on the planet. Right. So So, this is just a wind up for that. And we get the benefit of it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Good. And yeah, I'm all again, I'm all for it because I am using it and it works really, really well. Um, And I have to say, because people can't see this, you're actually very clearer than you have been in a long time. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I had good upload, but download, down or download, but not upload. So my right. upload would choke. So I'd look kind of grainy and, you know, the mm-hmm. pixelated and all that. And right now I've got, again, you know, decent upload. So move on to the next part of it. So, okay, Starlink's out there. How do you get it? And right now it's luck of the draw because really? it's on a beta test. Okay. So what it is, is they're, they're opening cells, and this is part of how Starlink works, is you're in a hexagonal cell. The Earth has been broken up into these cells, and they have to put a base station, because this is the one big difference between the old-style satellite and Starlink, is this, what happens when it goes up to the satellite, it comes back down to Earth in your area. Okay. So there's a base station. There's a, a satellite receiver station about 60, 70 miles north of me. And so this, when I'm using the internet, when I'm using Starlink, it's going up to the satellite and then down to that base station. And then from that base station, it goes on to internet backbone and the whole works. So it's not going up to satellite, going a long distance and then dropping. The old satellite providers, again, they had one spot, one set of satellites, one downlink station. So you go up to the satellite and down to that downlink station, which could be overloaded, which could be affected by weather. You know, Mm -hmm. this doesn't have those problems. But because you have to go to a downlink station local to you, 
it limits the number of users that they can have right now. Okay. And it also limits where they've put the downlink stations. If they haven't put a downlink station in your area yet, you can't have Starlink. That's why when you go to their page, it says that it's available to a limited number of users per coverage area. Exactly. So, for example, if there isn't anything here up in the Northeast or even close enough, right. then we can't get it. Right. And they're focusing more on rural areas, on right. underserved areas right now. So that's why I'm able to get it, because right. like I said, I'm in an underserved area. Um, and actually, there are two base stations. I just remember there's another one that's south of me about 100 miles. So, you know, I'm between stations. So and there's a map you can go online and see roughly where the satellites are and what stations it's linking to. It's really kind of cool where you can see oh, wow. where the traffic is going. It's, it's kind of fun to figure all that out. So that limits the availability, however, because first of all, there's only so much traffic that can go through that base station right now because of, you know, stage one technology, you know, that they're just as they're developing the technology, the speeds will increase. But right now it's limited. Mm-hmm. Also, the satellites themselves are, you know, they're, they're, they're version one satellites that are out there. Well, the version two satellites that they're going to start launching soon will actually have a satellite or laser links between the satellites. Okay. So if your base station is getting overloaded, they can take all your traffic, shoot it over to another satellite that's not overloaded and down. And of course, that's faster than going through like five or going through up and down and over. Right. Okay. So that, that'll, that'll balance out the traffic more. That'll also allow, say, Trans-Pacific Internet access, because if you know, you're, you've got a ship or a plane that's out in the middle of the, the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean, they're too far away to reach a base station. Mm-hmm. So then the, uh, they'll be able to go up to the satellite, over the ocean, and then across to Europe or across the United States or across to Asia mm-hmm. and down, and then get on the internet, which could mean we could be seeing Starlink-branded Wi-Fi on our planes in, say, five years. Now that would be attractive to a lot of travelers, especially business ones. Yes, it ones. would. Yes, it would. If you could be over the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the middle of nowhere, and you're still able to do work at high speed, because let's, let's be honest, uh, aircraft Wi-Fi isn't always great. It's no. good to have, but it's not high speed because no. it's limited by where you're at. So anyway, so all that long story short, you have to sign up for a beta. And I did actually I signed up for the beta back in February. And when you sign up for the beta, you pay a hundred dollar deposit, fifty dollar deposit, fifty dollar deposit, excuse me. Okay. But that fifty dollars goes towards the shipping when you finally get picked. So it costs fifty dollars to ship. Mm-hmm. It's but it's fifty but you pay a fifty dollar deposit. The dish and all the equipment that comes with it is five hundred dollars right now. Which Starlink says they do at a loss. It costs them more than five hundred dollars to produce this equipment. And I believe it. When really? we talk about here, when we talk here about what you get, uh, yeah, I, I, I believe it. It's more than five hundred dollars for this equipment, um, and then it's a hundred dollars a month to use it, which was double what I was paying for DSL. But I'm getting more than double speed, so it's worth it for me. Wow. So that I mean, it, it sounds like you know, a rural person's dream at this it point. Is. It really, truly is. And I so would, I wish I could understand being where I am. It's hard to, 
because I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your cost going, gee, that's way more. Yeah. You know, than what I do right now. But when I hear in a minute, we'll talk about how it compares to the landline and the, the, okay. All right. LTE, the the numbers will become much clearer because the internet is not cheap out in rural areas at all. Okay. You you think of, you know, a hundred dollars and you've got your internet and your cable and your phone patched in and you know they deliver the paper every morning and they give you mm-hmm. coffee and for a hundred dollars oh no out here it's a hundred dollars is uh, is basic internet wow okay so, so when you get the box when you get starling it comes in this big gray box you know it's pretty heavy box and it everything is there and it's literally plug and play They actually have it in the box, plugged in. All you got to do is plug the wall outlet in. Okay, I like that. I mean, literally, (laughs) all the cables are they're bundled up nicely in there, and it's plugged into the router, and it goes from the router to the Wi-Fi access point, all plugged in, ready to go. So there's no, you know, picture, you know, one piece of paper with the picture of how to do everything? Well, there is, but there's like four steps. Oh, that's good. Step one, mount the satellite. Step two, put the power box where you want it. Step three, put the Wi-Fi router in. Step four, plug it in. Wow. I'll take that. Now, now obviously, there's more to it because you, you have to put the dish. You have to put dishy where it can see. So you can't have it inside your house. It has to be up usually like on a roof, uh, someplace where it's got a clear line of sight. Mm-hmm. I actually put it up. My, I have a detached garage, and I actually put it on my garage. Uh, because that was the most clear line of sight. It comes, Dishy comes with a hundred foot cable. Now, one complaint I do have, this cable is permanently mounted to the dish. It doesn't plug into the dish. It's wired in permanently. And that's a little bit of a complaint because it makes it a little bit harder to run. But you still have a hundred feet. I was going to say, though, if it's permanently affixed to the dish, what happens if the line breaks? You either patch it or you get Starlink to send you a new one. Okay. All right. You know, Uh, and so. Because that would, that, that, I see, I do everything in cost too, future proofing. Saying, you know, if this is outside, if it's running all over the place, it's easy to probably, yeah, with time it will wear. So something that you plug into the dish is more easily replaceable than having to get rid of the whole dish. And that's why I put the power box in my garage. Okay. Right below the dish, literally just went right down from the dish, drilled a hole in the wall, put the power box inside the, the garage so that there's less chance of anything happening to that power box, power Good. wire or that Good. wire. <laughs> and so, like I said, you got the dish, you got the power box, and that is actually power over Ethernet. So that is the only thing you have to plug in is that power box. And so that provides the power for dish that provides the power for the Wi-Fi router. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that you just plug in the wall. And I mean, that's, that's really simple. You got one, you got a black plug that goes to dish. You got a white plug that goes to the rest of your, your Wi-Fi adapter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it comes with a default or a, a stock Wi-Fi adapter, but I, I, you don't have to use the one that comes from Starlink, which by the way is, like I said, it's power or ethernet. That only has the one wire that comes in from the power box which makes it really easy to set it somewhere because you don't have to worry about finding a wall outlet when you've got 500 other things plugged into that same wall outlet. Yeah, true. But uh, you can replace that. I actually replace that with a TP-Link router because it only has one output for Ethernet. That's one complaint I have with the Starlink Wi-Fi. 
it has an auxiliary port, which is an output for Ethernet. Well, I like to have, like you're talking earlier about, you know, having things on running Ethernet everywhere. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I really like having stuff on and have things I need to. Like I've got a, a older printer that is a network printer that only has Ethernet. It does not have Wi-Fi. It predates Wi-Fi being in printers. So you can replace the, the, the Starlink uh, Wi-Fi. You don't have to, but you can, uh, which that's kind of nice. But like I said, it comes in the box, ready to go. You just wow. mount the dish, plug it in, you're done. And then, of course, you go through the, the Starlink app to set up the, there is an app for that, you know, the Starlink app to set up, the, <laughs> set up the Wi-Fi and all that. And then it's just like using any other Wi-Fi. I mean, it's that, that really, it's, it's really, really, really simple. I'm really kind of impressed how they did that. It sounds it, but I think he's trying to keep it simple, probably, because if he's yes. going global with this, you're going to meet a lot of people who aren't technologically savvy. Exactly. So this way you can say, here, four steps. And you're in. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, they do have, it sounds like the, 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 the tech support right now is pretty good. The customer service support. I've, I've been reading, you know, positive reviews that people have had problems and they've immediately said, oh yeah, we've got a, you know, we've got a patch that's coming out next week for it. They are up, you know, it's got firmware in them, uh, cause you know, and they're constantly updating the firmware and everything. And, uh, we, you know, we got a patch coming next week or that sounds like the dish went bad. We'll send you a new one. And they're, they're pretty good about, you know, response when there is problems. So that, that's a good thing. Uh, one thing I should mention, by the way, the dish itself is not just a, you know, like the old receiver dishes. It's actually a computer in itself. Ooh. And it does both tra- levels of travel. So hmm. both upload and download. But, it, but the dish is a computer in itself. Uh, and that's why one of the, the touted features is in, you know, cold weather climates, which, of course, we know quite a bit about, don't we? Mm-hmm. You know, that the dish will, the dish will actually melt snow off of it. And people thought, oh, it must have a, it must have a heater in it. No, it's just, it produces enough heat that snow isn't going to stick to it. That's nice. Yes. That's going to be very nice. Obviously, I think if you have, you know, blizzard of the century, you might have some problems before the, but the other thing too is, you know, like I look at my dish and it's usually at about like a 30 degree angle. So if it's hot enough or warm enough that, 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 that bottom layer of snow melts, but the rest of the snow is just going to slide off of it. Right. So it's, it shouldn't be a problem. And so it won't hinder the signal as Correct. traditional dishes might because they're just conductors, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it's, I haven't had any problems with the, the signal being hindered. Even Of course, I haven't had it through winter yet, so I won't see for sure. But in theory, the snow shouldn't affect it at all. Well, you'll be um, the good test case. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it sounds like we might have a wet winter, so this might be a good one. And so actually, it's a good time to shift over now. Talking about comparison, we've kind of hinted at it, but, you know, comparison. Mm-hmm. So what is Dishy like compared to other satellite services and landlines? Now, I don't have a lot of personal experience with the other Internet, the more traditional uh, satellite Internet. I just I've known people who've had it and they've told me horror stories. Same here. The fir- <laughs> yeah. The first comparison is it's a lot faster. It's, good. you know, magnitudes faster. You know, here that the traditional satellites, if you're lucky, you might get. DSL, low DSL speeds, you know, three megabit download. And I think a lot of those old satellites, you can't upload from them. They don't upload to the satellite. You have to dial in for upload. So that gives you like nothing for upload speeds. So you can imagine that's not a lot of fun. Um, As I said, Dishy, you don't have to point it. 
you know, because if you remember those those old satellite services, DirecTV, Dish Network, you have to get out there and, you know, you got the little meter on your TV and you're turning it or you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're uh, whoever installs it's turning it till you get good signal and you screw it down real tight so it doesn't move. Which is one of the reasons why in our, co- in our cord cutting experiment, we never went with it. Because besides my husband doesn't like things like that where you have to massage them in order to get them to right. work. We also live in tree land. So yeah. being in the Northeast, we have a lot of trees around our house. We're not about to cut them down. <laughs> so we yeah. would have to have it like way up on the house on a pole. And my husband's like, that's not attractive. So it's like, okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that is going to be a concern because, um, like I said, I've got a spot where I'm far enough away from any trees in my yard that I don't have any obstructions whatsoever. But you hear people who, especially uh, people who live out in the mountains where you've got like the lodge, the tall lodgepole pines and things like that, where that's a real concern, where they do have points during the day that they lose Internet because like the tops of the trees are just in the line of sight. Um, it's a fairly narrow band that Dishy has to use to catch the satellite. So it does affect them. And I think, I, like, I, think people, I, I think people who are thinking of something like this, who live in an area where I live in, should really consider doing a topical with Google. Because yes. it'll show you where all the, because it's not just the trees near your house in particular, but how yep. many trees are there really surrounding you? Now, there's, there's kind of a neat feature uh, that the Starlink app has where you can go to where you're going to mount the dish. And use your phone, and it will show you what are going to be obstructions. Oh, I like things like that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, of course, it uses the GPS and the, the, the tilt meters and everything in your phone to figure out what you're holding it at. But it will tell you, this will be an obstruction, this won't, you know, this will be clear. And then once the dish is running, you can go into the app, and you can see, you know, in, like in bright red, it'll show you this is an obstruction. It'll show you blue of here's a clear line of sight. Here's the area we haven't even, you know, black, we haven't even looked at this. We haven't even worried about this, you know, so it's, it's really pretty impressive what they can do and what they can show you that you're going to have it. So that would be something worth looking at. And I think you can do the obstruction test with your phone without, with just that. You don't have to have an account. You don't have to have, you know, beta. So you can look at that if you're, hmm. if you're interested to say, hey, is this something that I would be willing to use? So it's, it's, it's. But I will say it's clearly so much better than traditional satellite. Traditional satellite was old. It was clunky. It was, it worked, but barely. Now, when it comes to landline, that's where the comparisons get, I think, get a little more interesting. As I said, what I had previously, I still have it. I haven't shut it down yet uh, just because I've had, just be, be, be partially because I've been too lazy, but partially because I want to make sure I have the backup in case there is a problem mm-hmm. with, with Starlink. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I do have old DSL. It's, it's, you know, what did I call it? ADSL, VDSL, whatever they, they call it, where it's the advanced DSL. So it's 40 megabits down, three megabits up. Uh. And again, that for, for one person who's doing, you know, YouTube and watching TV, you know, watching, you know, like I'm a cord cutter. I don't have a cable. I don't have satellite TV. I just have whatever comes over my smart TV. Um, it's fine. It works for me. For a family, that could get bad. And again, for doing things like live streaming, for doing things like we do with this, it has affected us in the past because it's been too much, too slow of an upload. For Dishy, uh, I've been kind of, for Starlink, I've been 
off and on doing speed tests and I've been kind of graphing them out in a, 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 a spreadsheet. And right now I am averaging 88 megabits up or 88 megabits down, excuse me, 88 mm-hmm. megabits down, 17 and a half up. Okay. So it's twice as fast download, five times as fast upload hmm. than my DSL. And I've been averaging 73 millisecond pings, which in comparison, I was getting 22 on the DSL. So it's a little slower, but again, this is something, you know, Joanne, you, you've done podcasts with me since I've gotten it. You've, we've really never noticed a problem. No. And, and I can tell you there were problems before, but yeah. not, not since you've gotten it. No. No, and there, there hasn't been problems with, obviously, with quality, because like you mentioned earlier, that yeah. the, 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 the video quality is much clearer, but even the latency is not bad. And, you know, they, they always say, if you've got anything less than about 40 latency, you can do, you know, live streams, you can do games, you can do, you know. So I'm, I'm right there. Dish link is right there. And there are times, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've had times where I look at here where I had one where it was the app was actually showing degraded service and I had like 60 down, eight up, 112 ping. Hmm. So that, I mean, that was, and that was kind of a bad point. There were some issues going on in their network. Um, so you can compare that to, again, DSL, it's much better, but you compare that to fiber. Right. And especially in a, in a really developed area. Because even out here in Montana, where we've got places that have had fiber put in, they don't always use it to its full capacity. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm spoiled because I have 50, 500 up, 500 down. Mm-hmm. But we were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording that that doesn't always translate a when you have wireless in your house if there's a lot of congestion in your area for the same for people also doing the same thing and it unless you have your house wired ethernet wise you're not getting taking advantage of all of that to begin with and then there's what i still believe is the throttling yep you know somewhere sometimes why all of a sudden is my tv if i have all of this power you know doing the spinning wheel of death while right. i'm trying to watch a show it shouldn't be in theory should not be happening if i have that right. much power but again when you live where you are you don't get some of the advantages of living in a very congested right. you know city slash suburban area that's very over mined by you know landline companies mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's just exactly. it. And even, you know, the, I see more and more satellite dishes going up on houses in my neighborhood. And I keep saying, ah, is it any better than what we're doing right now? You know, because right. they always complain, you know, when it rains or they sneeze, the satellite goes out. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, and I, I've, I've had Dish Network and your know, direct TV for, for years and it works, but it, it's still not ideal when when there is bad weather especially the times yeah. when you want to watch it because there's bad weather yeah um, and, and you and i live in the bad weather zone i mean i you live exactly. in the snow capital of the world probably and i live in the g anything can happen from snow to hurricanes exactly exactly so i mean that that's that's one disadvantage obviously of, of satellite service but you know talking about uh fiber the town i lived in previously malta was one of the towns that got the entire phone network laid down with fiber Mm. Thanks to, you know, if you remember 
uh, President Obama signed a, a bill that right, for yeah. internet telecommunications, and that was part of that. Part of the, the result of that bill was us getting fiber, but they would only give us a max of like 50 megabits synchronous. Right. So 50 down, 50 up, because the they didn't want to upgrade the network leaving town to get to the internet backbone. And there would be times where I, even with, you know, what we had, it would slow down because half the town is sitting there watching YouTube or something like that mm-hmm. or playing video games or whatever, and it would slow down our connection. So even with what we could get, we yeah. oftentimes had throttling just because of overcapacity. Right. You know, the Internet overlords are still there controlling the tap. Exactly. Exactly. So. So this for me, this is a big advantage for those in places with Fios, with Google Fiber, with you know, the high-speed uh, cable, you're better off with the landlines. You really are. With, even with the problems of Comcast and Verizon and all these other providers, you're better off than, than uh, Starlink now. Now, again, as, as, as I said before, Elon's goal is to make this gigabit Ethernet mm-hmm. via satellite. And I know that that's going to be several, several revisions of satellites and base stations later, but that is the eventual goal. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see when that happens. But as for me right now, I'm really, really happy with it. Good. So what would you say are the pros and cons then for people who are really thinking about? So the biggest pro is it goes anywhere. As long as your cell is open, you can go there. I've, I've been reading stories of people online who are traveling and they take their dish with them. And then they camp out and they find a, a cell that's open and they can switch over their address and they're able to use it. Well, that's, that's one a thing is big it, pro. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, Starlink has said that they want to eventually make an, an RV version of Dishy so that you could you would have it assigned to your RV and then you can travel anywhere. And as long as, you know, the cell's not completely full, you can have Internet access. That's an so, untapped market. It really is. It really is. And that's that's and that's why I said, you know, in five years, we could be seeing all our aircraft instead of having, you know, go Internet or whatever they call it. We'll have Starlink instead hmm. because then it will be worldwide. You can be anywhere in the world and have good Internet access. So that's 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 the biggest pro. Again, the biggest another pro is you're not tied down to the landline providers. You're not tied down to a cell provider. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, good Internet that can as long as you've got a clear view of the sky, it works and it works really, really well. Um, it is low maintenance. It is, you know, like I said, it was, it was plug and play. And once you've got the Wi-Fi configured, you just you really don't have to think about it if you don't want to. So that, that's big pros. Um, yeah, it's there. It works. That, for me, that's the biggest pro. The, the cons, obviously, is one thing you kind of hint about with your husband is, yes, you have to find a clear sky and you have to mount it like on a roof or on a mm-hmm. pole somewhere. Um, I was fortunate that a previous owner had used wi- uh, old, old satellite internet. So I yanked this dish off and I grabbed the pole and I moved it and oh, it go. works great. You know, because you get those nice mounting poles and they work really, really well. And it's, the dish isn't heavy. The, the dish, is, it's got some weight to it, but it's, it's not as heavy as the old dishes were. And it's not as bulky as the old dishes were. Uh, but you still have to have it outside. You still have to have, you know, clear view of the sky. And again, if you're living in a place with lots of trees, Cities could be a big issue. You know, you think mm-hmm. of cities with lots of high rises. Even if your apartment has a good view of the sky, 
there could be there could be high rises that will block your view on regular basis mm-hmm. you know so and, and i'm old enough to remember when satellite dishes first came out for oh, yeah. home, for home use and because i live in an area that has a large portuguese population immigrant population these people in their yards would give up, you know, three quarters of their land in order to put a satellite dish so they could watch their oh, Portuguese yeah. programs. So yep. I remember that. So to see them shrink and especially to see how small di- I think dishy looks small from what it I is. can see. I, I would I say it is smaller than your typical uh, direct TV dish network dish. Well, is it bigger than a Frisbee, a good oh, yeah. size Frisbee? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, let's see, I'm looking here, see if I can find some, um, okay. So the, the, the diameter of the top of the dish is mm-hmm. 23 inches. Okay. So you figure that two foot, two foot in diameter. Okay. I mean, so it, it's, it's still smaller than your typical dish. Cause I think mm-hmm. most of those like dish network, direct TV dishes are, they're oblong, but I think at their width, their widest, they're like four, four foot. When I, when I, cause I'm looking, I'm probably looking at a similar picture. Um, when I look at it, it's almost like one of those flat antennas that yep. you would use in your house. Yeah. It's like about, a bowl. Yeah. It's like a bowl with a top lid on it is what it looks like. Right. So it's really, I mean, it's really cool how it, you know, how well it works. Um, but that is, that is a, again, a, a yeah, you still got to find a place to put it. You got to find a place to put it and you got to drill a hole in your house mm-hmm. to bring it in. And that's another concern is there's a, a, a Ferris ring on the end of it. You know, you, you've seen those where they, they got the little ring on the end of the cable mm-hmm. and that's three quarters of an inch in diameter. So you got to drill a hole oh. that's wider than three quarters of an inch, like seven right. eighths of an inch to get it into the house that you then have to seal. Now you can buy it. You can get from dish. Uh, from a Starlink, a uh, mounting kit mm-hmm. that includes all that stuff. But, you know, so you got to have a drill. And I mean, it's, it's a little bit of hassle. For the first couple of weeks, I actually just pulled this, open up the screen on my office window here and had the window open a crack and threw it in that way for a while until I could get a better mount, mount over on the garage. Mm. So you've got all that issue. You've got 100 foot of cable, you know, so if you don't need that much length, you're going to coil it up somewhere. Those are pretty mo- minor. Um, Honestly, I think that the, the biggest con right now is it is beta, and that means you're going to have problems once in a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, about, a, about a week ago, there was a day where it was down for about two hours, and it was down worldwide for about two hours. This Ooh. wasn't just a regional thing. This was an entire network outage. So something was going on. They got it fixed. It's worked fine since. I haven't had any problems since. You'll have times where there will be, and you can, again, you can look in the Starlink app, and it will show you. How long is it out? If it's over two, any outage over two seconds, it logs in there in the last 24 hours. And it can show you, you know, what, why it was out and everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just searching for satellite. Two seconds searching for satellite. You're in a gap between satellites. Sometimes it's uh, degraded performance. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just nothing's there. There's no signals. So it is beta. And that is something to be concerned about. That's why, like I said, I'm keeping my DSL. I think it's good enough to use for production, production use, you know, for your day-to-day use, just with the caveat, you will have outages. You will have problems once in a while. But I think that's anything. We, right. have, we have outages here with, with um, the regular landline fiber stuff, too. I mean, not as much, 
Right. But we still get them. Outages seem to be, you know, <laughs> it's just a fact of life. And yeah. I think I read somewhere that he's planning to come out of beta very, very soon. Yeah. Yeah. He is sometime in the next year or so. He wants he wants it to be completely available worldwide. So they're they're building it up and they're they're spending a lot of money on it. And, you know, we, we kind of laugh because they're, they're like I said, there are times when I will be between satellites for a second or two mm-hmm. and everything will freeze. And we kind of laugh because it's like, is that because Starlink froze for a second or, you know, was between satellites for a second too? Or is that just Google Meet, which we use for our... That's true. We can blame you it know, on Google Meet. is it Meet. that too? Because that happens too. Right. Or there'll be times when you'll just lose connection for a second or two to Google Meet and it has nothing to do with your internet provider. Nope. So it's, you know, again, the, the, by and large, I've had no real problems with it. I've mm. had, with few exceptions, I've had no issues with connecting to it, working with it. It's been fast. It's been fun. It's been great to be able to have, you know, decent internet where I can watch a 4K video. You know, I've got a 4K monitor and a 4K TV, and now I can actually watch it in 4K, you know, get the full advantage of it. So that's been really nice. So I really recommend it. If you can get it, especially again, if you're like me, you're out in a very rural area, where your internet selection is slim and none and slim just left town. <laughs> it's okay. worth it. But how much does this cost? As I said before, it's $500 for the dish. Okay. You know, $50 deposit for, to get your name on the list, which again goes into the shipping. So you don't pay the, you don't actually pay the shipping. Right. $500 for the dish, mm-hmm. $100 a month. Okay. So again, for those of us in rural areas, that's yeah. actually pretty good. Um, I was paying fifty dollars. I am paying fifty dollars a month for the DSL line, and that the DSL line is less than half of what I'm getting for hmm. from Dish. Okay. So, yeah, I uh, yeah, that's bigger not cities, practical for me. Yeah, for bigger cities, again, it's not. Yeah, and that could go. That cost could go down eventually too. You know, as it be- rolls out more, as it becomes more available, as the you know their technology improves. I, would, I have a feeling the costs will go down. I would think so because he wants to do this worldwide. And if he yeah. is interested in all types of people in all types of socioeconomical situations, right. $100 is going to price a lot of people out. And they're, and they're doing a lot of things where they're working with schools in rural areas where schools are getting the dish for mm-hmm. free. Nice. Like, every, like for free plus like two years of service. They're working with uh, Native American tribes in rural areas that have had poor or no internet access. Uh, they're working in neighborhoods where they, you know, same kind of deal. So this, he, you can tell he want. I, I keep saying he as an Elon because, you know, he's the driving force between all, behind all this. You know, he wants to see this spread as wide as possible. And not just because it lines his pocketbook, but because he sees it as a way to help people. And what, you know, arguments, whether or not it, you know, it's a moral issue or not, you know, withstanding. The fact is having Internet access is almost essential in our day and age. It is now. And it needs to break all the barriers. We saw that at the beginning of the pandemic where they were especially handing out equipment to folks who were in lower class situations because they couldn't afford their own. Right. So this somebody has to kind of unify or you're going to have a bigger gap between haves and haves nots. Yeah. And they, they talk about the technology gap and that's a big part of it. Mm. And I know schools did a lot during that time and there were 
organizations like the Bill and Melinda Gates organization, mm-hmm. stuff like that, that did a lot to help that. And I think Starlink is one of those where, again, if you got these rural schools, they don't have very good Internet access. If they can get this and get their kids on much faster Internet, that's huge. Mm. That is absolutely huge. So I support it. Obviously, I'm using it. I'm enjoying it. So any other questions about it, Joanne? Or? Nah, I'm just glad you have something reliable now <laughs> yeah. that'll actually yeah, but, work. You know, yeah, I think, it's, it's, and I think that's I what people are looking at right now. Is this going to be reliable? Will it work for me in a rural situation? And I'm so glad you got, you have something that does yep. that. Yep. So if you're interested, go to Starlink.com, check it out. You know, I, I can say that we're def- they're not sponsoring us. I'm definitely paying them for the privilege. So. <laughs> So we'd like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who made it possible for us to create secrets of technology, including Riley J., Richard S., Andrew S., Linda K., and Jolie G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com give. And so now we're going to jump on to headlines, uh, a couple of headlines, because we actually went longer in that than I expected, but that's good. Speaking of outages. Yeah, speaking of outages and internet and things that probably should have stayed out. Oh, that's, that's my, my, dun, dun, my, dun. My, my commentary. On Monday, Facebook and associated apps and sites had a six-hour outage. You just could not get to them. You couldn't use Messenger. You couldn't use Facebook, Instagram. I know there's lots of Instagram people that were... Sh- you're hiding in a corner. I can't post. Ooh. And you know what? Uh, I missed it all. I did too. Uh, believe it or not, we were, um, and you'll see this with my pick, picks of the week. Um, we were going to, to back and forth to New Jersey to pick up a rescue dog. Ooh. So all of this time we were in the car. So before we left, I had, because I, I work on the Facebook page for my, for my work, I had posted something and then I was in the car and wanted to post that we had picked up the dog. That's when I noticed there was a problem. I was like, yeah. gee, I wonder what's happening. We finally turned <laughs> on the news maybe about a half an hour from home and, oh, Facebook's been out. Really? <laughs> I missed the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I did too because I've, I turned off Facebook as, as far as like I got rid of the the browser tab, I removed mm-hmm. the app from my phone a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of go through these phases where I get on it and like, no, I don't need this and get rid of it. And the only thing I use is Messenger. And it's like, well, I've got a friend who usually every day will send me a quick message or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, she's been kind of quiet today. Oh, okay, no big deal. I never send, sent messages and I didn't really want to talk to anyone. And okay, well, no one could talk to me because right. it was out, all, you know. All afternoon. And I, and I do agree with you. I bet you there were those addicts, and I'll use that term, who were sitting around, yes. you know, sweating for six hours because they couldn't post they're, their lunch. They're, they're refreshing Instagram every five seconds. Right. Work, 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 work. <laughs> so what happened was, basically, there was a, a glitch in uh, Facebook's, Facebook's DNS information, domain name service mm-hmm. information. So for those who don't know how the internet works or not, I assume most of our listeners are pretty familiar with the basics, how the internet works. but yeah. just in case DNS domain name service is the, the address book, the phone book for the internet. So you type in facebook.com. It goes to a server that says, Oh, facebook.com is at IP address one, two, three, four, whatever I Facebook's main IP address is. And then your computer goes, okay, now I know how to send to Facebook. 
it doesn't know how to send to Facebook.com directly. It has mm. to look up the address of Facebook. Well, to help that, there's routing service called BCP. Uh, I forgot to look at what BCP stands for. Uh, Border Gateway Protocol, which says, okay, we've got these groups of networks, these mm-hmm. big groups of networks. And you can imagine Facebook has their network because they've got so many servers, so many computers, so many, you know, uh, card swipers to let you get in, you know, securities card readers to get into your ho- into their building. And by the way, it sounds like those were down too in this process. Well, this BCP says, if you're looking for these addresses, they're here. Mm-hmm. Here's how you get to them. They're, they're, they're signposts saying, how do you get to there? Well, for some reason, Facebook was trying to update that. And instead of updating it, they deleted the whole thing. Whoa. <laughs> so basically, the Internet did not know how to get to Facebook. The servers were up. Mm. You just couldn't get there from here. I just thought Mike, Mark Zuckerberg was unhappy with the night before. So he just, <laughs> so he just threw a tantrum and, you know. <laughs> shut the whole it thing down be. but this is even more interesting <laughs> that somebody yeah. just screwed yeah, that basic, up <laughs> basically they, they wiped out any way of getting to their servers and so that meant even the people who work at facebook because don't think of these services like facebook and google and amazon stuff like that where you've got the big building where they're in their offices and in the basement of the building is their is their server farm Mm-hmm. Those days for large companies are gone. They've used distributed server farms. They use Amazon. They use other providers that have just big warehouses full of servers. They couldn't get to those servers. They couldn't connect to those servers to fix the problem. Wow. So they had to actually physically send someone to the server farms and plug in the information manually Ooh. so that they could bring them back up so they could fix the problem. See, it is a plug. Somebody unplugged something. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of like the old IT guys. Have you turned it off and back on again? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody turned something off they weren't supposed to, and so they had to work hard to wow. turn them back on. And Facebook uses its own DNS mm-hmm. information as well. So they don't use, like, Google's DNS server. I don't know if, you know, if anybody knows this, but how many people know this, but Google actually has public DNS servers that you can use mm-hmm. to connect to. But Facebook has their own. And so even though all their information was fine, it couldn't get to the rest of the Internet. Right. And it didn't just take Facebook down. It took Instagram, WhatsApp, and Oculus, which I found very interesting. Everything owned by Facebook, because you know after they bought these services, WhatsApp and Oculus especially, and Instagram, they pulled them inward. They pulled them into their servers, their DNS information, so that they had control of it. Now, I can see where this would be very, you know, face, we make the jokes about Facebook and Instagram and, and maybe a little bit of Oculus, but yep. WhatsApp is something that is used by a lot of people to communicate. Exactly. So being as, down as for messenger, six hours. Yeah. As is, as is uh, Facebook Messenger. I mean, that's a very important messaging platform as well. I know a lot of people who use that. <laughs> I don't use it as much, but right. I, WhatsApp I know because I have a friend who's going to be moving to Italy, and that's one of the things we're considering using right. to keep in right. communication. So I know it's it's vital. So yeah, okay. I mean, I'm not going to make the joke. That must have been very distressing for those folks. Yeah. So it's it, it, you can imagine that there there some heads are going to roll over this one. Oh yeah, um, somebody's out of a job. Zuckerberg lost a bunch of money off his stock yes, because of course the stock billion. tanked as soon as it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's all funny money anyways, because it's, it's not like he actually can use it for anything. He just has it. But mm. so 
if things seem a little bit quieter on the internet on Monday, that's why. <laughs> Again, I was in a car, <laughs> didn't much notice. Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't using it at all. So, um, yeah, so I, I didn't notice it either. Speaking of Facebook, Again. Facebook, <laughs> one reason why maybe it shouldn't have come up in the first place. Facebook used facial recognition without consent over 200,000 times, uh. says North, South, excuse me, North Korea, South Korea's <laughs> data watchdog. That's concerning. That's very concerning. There's, there's been privacy concerns about Facebook for many years, and this is just one more reason why people should be concerned. So Facebook alone was ordered to pay 6.46 billion won, the South Korean currency, which is equivalent of 5.5 million U.S. dollars. Wow. For creating and storing facial recognition templates of 200,000 local users without proper consent between April of 2018 and September of 2019. Mm -hmm. And then another $22,000 U.S. dollar penalty was issued for illegally collecting social security numbers not oh. issuing notifications regarding personal information management changes in other missteps. Yeah, but Facebook's the, not the only culprit here. Oh, no. Now we have oh, no. Netflix yeah. and Google, and the net, that's what I want. Netflix, I want to try to understand, um, because when I watch Netflix, I'm, not, I'm mostly watching it on a television set, not something right. with a camera that shoots back at me. Um, but so, that, so Netflix, the, those are three Netflix. heavy companies. Yeah, so Netflix only had to pay 188,000 US dollars because they collected data from 5 million people without their consent plus another 2700 US dollars for not disclosing internal transfer of the data. Hmm. Okay. So South Korea apparently has very strong uh internet privacy or uh, data protection laws kind of like the EU, same kind of deal. And uh I guess Netflix was collecting more data than they were supposed to, or at least letting people know they were collecting. Because, you know, Netflix, they're, they're collecting data on what you're watching, how long you're watching. You know, if you start a show and you stop it, they know what, you know, when you did that. They, they've got, you know, what are your preferences? What shows are you more likely to click on to watch than others? What types of shows do you like? What types of shows don't you like? You know, family members and all that kind of stuff. So they're collecting a lot of data. You know, I, I, my initial response is I want to say everybody has better control over their data in this world except America. But right. on the other hand, we Americans like some of that. Um, we like that convenience yeah. of having, you know, if I'm watching a whole bunch of different things, Netflix is now saying, OK, if you like Fuller House, then maybe you will like this one, this exactly. one, this one and this one. And it's not advertising. It's just data collection and saying, okay, this is what you're watching. So we'll give you more of what you're watching and not throw, you know, some kind of transformer at you. Cause you don't watch that at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's the same thing with like Google where we like being able to have it figure out, okay, every week you go to this place. So let's make that a regular appointment that mm -hmm. I'm going to alert you on. Hey, in 10 minutes, you need to be at this place, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but then we, we don't we like, like that. that at the same time. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we, we don't we don't want our data misused. We we want Google and Facebook and stuff to use our data to make our use of their services better. Mm -hmm. But we what we don't want is the abuse of it. Like, you know, Facebook talks about the it talks about here about the, you know, the facial recognition. And yeah, that bothers me. 
and cl- illegally collecting social security information and stuff like that. You know, I, sorry, I don't want Facebook to have my social security information, you know, especially when these services are so easily hacked and you know that happens. Cause I just saw today, like that the Twitch streaming service got all of their data hacked, Oh, and- not just their database, but also the source code for their site. No, Ouch. everything, their entire Everything that is Twitch just right. got hacked and released on the internet. And it's you not know, so- just technology, people. Uh, believe it or not, I got a notice Monday that my genealogy program, okay, now this is a benign genealogy program out of <laughs> France. They have their own online, you know, tree type of thing, like fit, like uh, Ancestry and, and Family Search. That got hacked. So mm-hmm. now I have to change my password. And I'm like, who wants, who wants to know who your dead relatives are other than other people who want to know if you're one of their relatives? Exactly. Why are you hacking something like that for what information? You know, are you trying to use it for other nefarious things, you know, made up uh, IDs or something? I don't know. Why would you hack that? Twitch, I think, would have a little bit more of a problem. Oh, yeah. But yeah, because you got money you transferring after, there. You got, you know, why are the, you after Herodes? They're, they're, they're a benign company. Or at least I think because they are. any day that can be used to attack someone, any day that can be used for any kind of purposes, it can be sold. It can be, like you said, you know, fake IDs and stuff like that. So there's ways you can do it. I guess. Uh, but as as a conclusion for Facebook, it's been ordered to destroy all facial information collected out with consent or obtain consent, and it was prohibited from processing identity numbers without legal basis. It was also ordered to destroy data and disclose contents related to foreign, foreign migration of personal information. It was also told to make it easier for users to check legal notices regarding personal information. Hmm. So yeah, get rid of my facial recognition. Most of the time when I'm looking at Facebook, I don't have my makeup on. So, yeah, I don't want you to see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to see that. <laughs> so speaking of uh, security, Windows 11 just came out. Yay. And Microsoft <laughs> announced that Windows 11 on unsupported PCs means no security updates either. Oh, come on. Why are we playing with that issue? Well, because they, so one issue of Windows 11, and as I, I've mentioned before, I've, I've been playing with Windows 11 off and on on my uh, second drive on my Hackintosh. And one thing it wants is called a TPM, Trusted Privacy Module, Trusted I can't remember exactly what the P stands for, mm. but it's, it's a, a chip within your computer or it's a protocol for a chip within your computer that handles security. It's like the, was it the M2 chip or whatever it is in Apple, the, the T2, whatever the security mm. chip is in Apple. It's, it's a security chip is basically what it is. And one thing it is required for Windows 11. Now, there are ways to install Windows 11 without using this chip. It mm. will yell at you, but you can do it. Well, what Microsoft has decided is that instead of uh, saying, fine, we're going to give you security patches, even though your computer is more insecure than we want it to be, they're just saying, no, you have to get a computer that has this chip. And to be fair, this chip has been available for a while. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's new, um, relatively new. But if you've got, you know, your 11-year-old laptop that came with Windows Vista or, you know, Windows 7, Mm -hmm. It might be time to upgrade that laptop is basically what they're saying. 
But some people are such light users that they don't see the need. And I think part of this now with Windows, which is making me very itchy with Microsoft, is first you were paying for it, then now you're not paying for it. Now you, but they don't want, maybe you could pay for this one or maybe not pay for that one. And it's just like, you know, either give it to the people when they buy a computer or don't, or make them buy it like we were doing before. You know, yeah. One or the other. We know when we get a Mac, we get the operating system with it. We Correct. get it, we get it upgraded all the time. Windows is Microsoft is not playing a game here, and I I don't know what their end game is on it, but it's just it's becoming confusing for the average user. I'm not talking about the technology yeah. geek. I'm talking the average user who has an 11 year old Vista computer who can still run Windows, right, and doesn't care about the you know the bells and whistles. They just want their security. They're probably, that's all they're worried about. And let's be honest, you know, someone has an 11 year old laptop. How quickly are they going to jump to Windows 11 anyways? At best, they might have upgraded to Windows 10 at best. Right. Maybe Windows 7, you know, and and part of it is Microsoft wants to make Windows a service, but a free service because they don't, they don't really make money on Windows anymore. Mm -hmm. They make monies on Office 365. They make money on Microsoft Azure. They make mm-hmm. money on the servers. They make money on services. And they make a lot of money on stuff like that. True. So they're happy to just give away Windows. And yes, if you, you go buy a, you know, a Walmart or an Amazon computer, it's going to have Windows preloaded. Right. You just don't have to think about it. It's more for people who, like me who build computers. Right. Who yeah. we assemble computers from the parts where it becomes a concern. And yes, I bought Windows 10 for this computer. And I want to say it was, Windows 10 Pro was like 100 bucks or whatever. It wasn't much of anything relative to what it used to be. But they want you to be upgrading to the latest version because it keeps you locked into their software. Right. Um, keeps you using their software. But at the same time, you know, Windows 10, I don't remember what the end of life is for Windows 10, but it's a long ways off. So a person can continue to use Windows 10 for years mm. and will still get security updates, will still get patches, you know. That'll come downstream from Windows 11. So you'll be fine with that. It's just saying if you want to go to Windows 11, you're probably better off making sure you have one of these. Mm-hmm. And it will show up in your BIOS. As I can't, again, I can't remember what mine shows up as. I, I forgot to write that down. But it's some kind of you know, security, Intel security or something like that. It's a, just a chip on your, your board that supports the security, the security program, this TPM security protocol. Mm-hmm. It's... Honestly, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm just saying, um, if you're worried about this, just don't upgrade. Right. Just stick with Windows 10. Windows 10 works great. It's a good operating system for Windows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know you're going to get those people who call into the tech guy who are, yep. you know, just your average person. They hear the hype about the new Windows 11, and they've tried it, and now they're all, they've just screwed up their computers. Exactly. You know, that's exactly. And, the problem I'm I'm trying to get people to understand. Please don't please not so much hype then. You know, or, yeah, well, or and, and whatever. They do say they do say that it will not let you use the automated upgrade, you know, the standard Windows upgrade if your computer is non-compliant. Mm. You have to download the Windows ISO, the Windows disk image. Okay. And do it that way. So this isn't something that users should stumble upon. Good. If you're doing it this way, you're doing it because you you know what you're doing, right. hopefully. Okay. Or you're t- you're too stupid to realize you probably shouldn't be doing that in the first place. But. True. Okay. <laughs> Randy <Randover. laughs> Yep. So one last quick news item that Joanne threw in there because it's good news. 
The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown will be on PBS. Yay! <laughs> so I didn't realize this, but Apple TV bought out the rights to all the Peanuts videos. Oh, yes. And it was a huge kerfuffle last year because all of a sudden people couldn't get, you know, it's been on CBS for how long? Yep. And exactly. they couldn't get it. And so, so Tim Cook said, fine, we'll just give it to you for free on Apple TV Plus while you're, while we're doing the free thing. But, now they're not doing the free thing anymore. Yep. So I'm glad that they partnered with PBS because these are, for, for better or for worse, however you feel about it, they're still American classic classics for television. And they're not yeah. just kid stuff. People have grown up with this, shared it with their exactly. kids, and now they're grandchildren. So to have an outlet for, you know, through public broadcasting, that was a very smart move. But of course, all month you can watch it on Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, we all have those shows. We all have the, like, you know, it's Great Pumpkin, you know, mm -hmm. and at Halloween time. Christmas is yep. the, the original cartoon Grinch, mm -hmm. not the, or not the Rudolph, new ones. Or Rudolph the or Red Rudolph, Nose Rudolph, yeah. Or Frosty or, or even the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, mm -hmm. you know. These are shows that we grew up watching. Right. Every year we wait for them, we expect them, and we're disappointed when they don't, they don't show up. And so yeah. I'm glad they're doing this, and I hope they continue to, to do that. Uh, traditionally was on ABC here in the United States. Now it's going to be on PBS this year, and that's fine. Um, it is disappointing, though, that it got locked behind the Apple TV paywall, that these classic shows that have paid for themselves many times over. Right, but if you're going to complain about that, then you need to complain about all the stuff that's locked behind Disney+. Plus. Oh, I'm, I'm for all of that, but you still. You know, I mean, it's Apple's not the first one to this game, but they seem yeah. to be the one because it's Charlie Brown they're the ones getting yelled at. Well, but yeah. And, that, well, I, and, I, and I, I see that with Star Trek because, of course, now with Paramount Plus, CBS right. buying Viacom, now all the Star Trek resources, all the shows are slowly going behind the Paramount paywall. Mm -hmm. You know, you, like you can't right now, you can watch every classic Star Trek except Star Trek the animated series right. on Amazon Plus. And now it's Hulu just lost a bunch of their Star Trek series mm -hmm. so yeah this is the future but at least you can watch charlie brown on over the air tv yay one more time october 24th on pbs so that's all our, our headlines all our news we, we definitely uh talked covered plenty of good stuff <laughs> we here we did <laughs> uh so let's go on to our picks of the week and i'll let you go first Joanne. well i have two quick ones um usually i'm struggling for one um for those of you who have a laptop set up um, on your, on your um, desks, either at work or at home. Sometimes trying to find the real estate to put your laptop down on a desk, it's taking up other real estate that you need for papers or whatever. So I bought for my office a vertical laptop stand from a company called Godspin. Now, I know nothing about their theological, <laughs> you know, aff affiliation. But um, I'll tell you, it's an adjustable and it it, it kind of caters to the Mac, and I have a 16-inch MacBook Pro. So you can make, this is adjustable so that it goes up to 20 inches that you can fit something there. I liked it so much um, on my desktop, at the last place I worked at, that I bought one for home. But now I had the idea, well, if you can put a laptop in there, can't you put a Mac Mini in it? Mm -hmm. So I have a Mac mini at my new office. And again, I need the real estate. 
So I bought another one, flipped it up on this, and it's working just fine. It's very nice to have the ports also more available than way in the back. Right. So now the ports are on one side and I can quickly connect everything to it that I need. So this is very, it's $25.99 on Amazon. And again, if you're into the Mac stuff, it look, you can buy it in either black, gray, or silver, and it matches your, your Mac equipment very nicely. The second um, pick that I have because of the new dog, by the way, whose name is Maggie. <laughs> She's a five-year-old Karen Terrier. Um, I have now Dom and I love wise cams, you know, those mm-hmm. little, those little cubes that we can put around the house. And I have a wise cam one version one that I haven't used in a while. And I wanted to use it for her now. So when I go to work and somehow I missed, I think I may have missed an update or two on either firmware or software and it doesn't seem to be working for me. So I went out and purchased the version three, which now has color night vision and it it can be used both indoors and outdoors. So if we decide to, you know, if the other one, other one ever gets back online for indoors, we may stick this one outside. Um, you know, it has the audio that you can talk to the dog with. It works with your Alexa. I don't know why it doesn't work with, if it works with Alexa, um, Google, and uh, if this, then you know, why isn't it working with Apple? You know, mm. I don't know why it's not working with Siri and it should be. But again, these are very small cubes. They give a great picture. There's an app on the other side that you, as with anything else, you get all the information through and it's thirty five ninety eight. Okay. On, on, um, Amazon. So in or in you know the new dog i'll now be able to see her in living color also at night from upstairs because she's sleeping downstairs until she's potty trained (laughs) so those are my two picks for this week that's great yeah i'll check out these wise i've been thinking about getting in a a outdoor camera and of course you look at the the nest or the ring ones and they're much more expensive they do much more but well, but what do you want for outside, really? And that's, we're, yeah. again, we're looking for this for outside as well. And they do have some kind of a companion solar panel. Because if you think my husband doesn't want to put a pole with a, with a satellite on his house, he doesn't want to wire up. You know, he wants something that's going to be either battery or solar powered, right. sticking it on the outside of his house. So why is this a good product? Yeah, it's great. I'll have to check that out. Good, good pick. So my pick is an operating system. Now, of course, Apple gets a lot of love here because we got a lot of Apple fanboys. Yes. Uh, and girls. <laughs> and girls. And we, uh, Windows 11, of course, just came out, and that's big news. But another operating system is on its way out. It just the, the source code, open source code for it just got released, and that's Android 12. Ah, the new version Android is coming out now. It's not available for the phones yet, but they just yesterday, I believe it was released the yes or two days Monday. I think it was they released the source code for it. So for those who don't know, Android is by and large open source where you can actually go and download the Android source and make if you know what you're doing, make your own version of Android. Now, you're not going to have all the Google goodies that you have to get from Google themselves, but you will have, you know, the base operating system and all that stuff. And so they released Android 12 and it, it, it really isn't, it is a big release, but it isn't. It's not one of these releases that packs a whole bunch of features and it's a lot of it is look and feel. 
One of the big complaints about Android for a long time that Google has worked very hard over the last few releases is that it looks very disjointed. There, you know, it doesn't have a common look and feel. And Google has worked very hard with what they call the material uh, interface, material UI to integrate a lot of the look and feel of Android. Well, this this one sounds like it's a much bigger jump in that, make it much more modern, make it much more sleek, much more clean. Um, they, you know, so that everything looks more integrated. It looks much more uh, of one unit. And that, of course, that helps app developers because then they don't have to try to reinvent the wheel. Early Android didn't have a lot of real strong UI uh, direction. So they, they went all sorts of ways. Well, that's kind of being pulled together. And so that helps a lot. The one thing they've been working on is privacy issues. You know, that's obviously a big concern. We talked again about, you know, Facebook and privacy issues and stuff like that. So they've been doing a lot to make the privacy aspect a lot better that they actually have a dashboard to see what apps have used things like your camera, your mic, your location, things that you're worried about, permissions controls. They, they're trying to make them much easier to use so that you can look at an app and say, okay, this app has this, this, and this. Well, I only want it to have this when the app's being used. I don't want it to have this. I don't want to have that. This is fine and so on. So they're working a lot to make it easier to use. Um, one thing that's interesting they've added is that you can disable the microphone or the camera right from the uh, notification pane. So on Android, you know, you, you pull down once and you see your notifications, you pull down again and there's a pane that lets you turn off your Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and put on airplane mode and turn on your flashlight and all that stuff. Well, they've added now too where you can turn off your camera and your microphone. So if there's an app that you're suspecting are using it or you could leave that off until you want to use it. That you know, sounds kind of the, handy. Yeah, kind of the digital version of the shutter over your webcam, you know, where you can just turn it off altogether. It just won't work until you say it does. And so if you do have an app that you're concerned about, it won't grab your microphone right away. It won't grab your, uh, your camera right away. So there's some of that stuff. Cookies, they've done some work with cookies. They, they've worked a lot with notifications to make notifications easier. And I've really, I've really kind of enjoyed some of the, the changes where you'll have conversation notifications where you got certain apps like a messenger app, WhatsApp or whatever, where if you're in a conversation with someone, all those notifications will show up in one spot instead of within the rest of your notifications. Now, I, I try to keep my notifications fairly clear because it irritates me when they're there, but I know people that they don't worry about that so much. So that make that lets, you know, so there's lots of, lots of changes. Like I said, a lot of it is graphical interface. Um, one thing that looks interesting I'm looking forward to is true one hand mode because I've got a bigger phone. It's hard to reach like the way top of it. Well, you can swipe down from the top, swipe the app down from the top and it will put it in the, the bottom half of the screen. So you can do all your work on that app with one thumb, basically one, one hand. So you don't have to be worrying about using both fingers to do work, both hands, you know, holding the phone with one hand and tapping with another. So there's lots of, uh, Lots of little things, lots of, and of course, they're, they're working on, you know, graphic, improving the, the, the camera capabilities and stuff like that, like everything else is. And then they're going to be eventually bringing out Android 12.1, which is focused on the foldable, foldable phones, because there's a lot more Android phones that are foldable. So that'll be interesting to see how that will look when they're actually making a version of Android that's dedicated towards those, what they can do with that, and then how that's going to go forward. So. Lots of little things coming out with Android 12. I'm waiting impatiently to 
to get it on my phone and play with it. But because it looks interesting. I mean, the, the new interface and everything looks really looks really good. It looks clean. And I, I've been seeing some of the interface elements coming through on Android, on my Android, because it comes through from the apps, like the calendar app, the Gmail app, things like that. Sounds like they want to be pretty like another company. Oh, yeah. You're Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that's, that's been a goal of Google for a while is to, to make Android look better. Right. And it was actually kind of funny. It was it, uh, iOS seven. Wasn't that the one where they like completely redid like the, 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 uh, fonts and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was about, and back I, I in laughed seven, at the time because yeah. it looked more Android than iOS at that point. Cause hey. they used a font that was very similar to Android and everything. So as long as I can find my apps and widgets and know what I'm doing and take phone calls and, and yeah, I'm good. Doesn't have exactly. to be that pretty. Just fun, you know. I don't want it to be minimalist, functional, but yep. just pretty enough to be okay. Yep. So if you got if you you got a Pixel phone, uh, expect Android. They think here in a couple of weeks it'll be ready for Pixel phones. Uh, I think LG and Samsung and some of these other uh, providers or you know produ- uh, manufacturers are going to upgrade their their fla- uh, flagship phones here shortly after by the end of the year. They say so. Should be pretty quick. I, I think Android is it's one thing that I Google the manufacturers have done a better job of getting new versions of Android to their phones quicker. So that's a very good thing. So that does it for us. What did you think of our discussion? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send us an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links to, from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. You can help us grow the secrets of tech by writing a five-star review in Apple Podcast or one of the other podcast directories. And also share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and reach more listeners. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining us and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Father Corey. And once again, I'm Father Corey Stika. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest.